A salary is the drug they give you when they want you to forget about your dreams. Welcome to the Corporate Dropout Podcast. I'm your host, Alessia Citro. After a successful career in tech, suffering from burnout, stress, and anxiety, I walked away from a multiple six-figure career to chase my passions and purpose as a coach and entrepreneur. This show is going to inspire, equip, and empower you to do the same. Let's get it. As a former Salesforce employee, I can tell you with confidence that every successful business uses a CRM tool. Why should yours be any different? Whether you're an entrepreneur, network marketer, or realtor, you need a way to keep track of your outreach to team members, prospects, and customers. Enter the 90-Day Habits Journal. Created by top network marketing leaders, the 90-Day Cycle to New Habits Journal is a great way to cultivate a winning mindset each day and track your activity. What you track grows, so start tracking what matters in your life and business. Get your copy at 90dayhabits.co and use code CITRO, that's C-I-T-R-O, for 10% off. Hello, friends. Today's interview is an extra special one because today I am interviewing Jody from The Plane. <laughs> if you haven't listened to Episode 7 where I share The Plane story and how I got a clear sign to quit my job at Google... Go back and listen, but here's the spoiler alert. Jody, who I'm interviewing today, was my sign to quit. So here's a bit about her before we jump in. Jody Sacco is an experienced entrepreneur, business owner, leader, public speaker, certified business coach, and certified executive coach. Jody has experience in all areas of business from starting as an entry level employee to becoming a C suite leader, including team training, sales, marketing, operations, and team synergy. Her drive is linked to her vision to be of service and uplift communities through business re-education as a coach, mentor, and philanthropist. You can't really ask for a better seatmate than that, right? So Jody, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what a privilege to be here with you. Likewise, isn't it so surreal to think that this podcast wouldn't even exist if it hadn't been for that serendipitous meeting on American Airlines? blows Absolutely. my mind. Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't really blow my mind uh, when you understand the law of the universe and how things are meant to be. There's always a, a very clear path if you're open to receiving it um, on the way to, to the end result, right? Yep. So actually, maybe that's a good place to start. So do you remember what you told me after, um, after we ordered our Tito's soda with lime? Do you remember the like two sentences that got me to quit my job? <laughs> They're like burned in my brain, so I do. If you don't. Well, let me see if I remember the same the, the same uh, sentences. I think it was something along the lines of, "From the minute you walked into the cabin, I knew that you were supposed to sit next to me, and I didn't know why, and I didn't know um, around the specifics, but." Uh, I, I looked up and I saw you there and I just knew that um, we were going to have some kind of interaction. Was that it? <laughs> yeah, that, well, actually, yeah, that's perfect. We'll get to the other stuff that you told me after the fact, but it was just, it was amazing because I think most people, if they had heard their seatmates say that to them, that, Hey, I couldn't switch my seat so that you could sit by your husband, but I wouldn't have anyway, because I knew we were meant to sit together. I think a lot of people, if they weren't open would have been like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, and and you know it was it's just to explain that moment. It's it's not like I was some creepoid who was who was like, oh my god, I have to have you sit next to me. This woman. It wasn't like that. It was just this this series of events. This almost like 
moment in time where I looked up and and saw you there. And it was only after you were sitting next to me, we started having that conversation that I was able to verbalize, hey, I knew you were supposed to sit here. But it, you know, it was the, the kind of trail of events that happened before the fact that, you know, you guys were split up and then Ella and Tegan didn't want to be moved apart. Those are my kids. And um, yeah, so, so in the, in the moment, sometimes you don't understand perhaps what it is that you're feeling or seeing. Um, but if you, if you just maintain that openness, um, you know, and don't get attached to outcomes, I think that's probably one of the most important things. Yes. Um, just let things evolve. Then, then it'll always, it'll always come to fruition as to what the reason was. <laughs> and it, it makes life so much more exciting to live that way too, as if, you know, every little, perceived inconvenience. I mean, we had just spent a week together. So I didn't care if I sat next to Jeff or not. But, you know, for some people, maybe that would have really irked them. And I was like, Oh, nope, it's all good. I'm just happy I'm not in coach, like attitude of gratitude. And uh, here we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's crazy because the girls and I uh, normally don't travel in business on, on, a tri- on a trip like that, especially domestically, right, uh, within the U.S., um, but because of a, a big month that I'd had um, in my online business, it was actually it was actually our, our kind of our reward to ourselves. Um, you know, so again, like what were the chances that we would be sitting in, in, in oh, first man. class? And just the ripple effect, like all the things that had to happen. I like, I have chills right now. I think it's just so cool. So to start off about you... I would love to start with your background. So if the listeners can't tell, you grew up in South Africa. I love your accent, by the way. I told you that, but bears repeating. You immigrated to the States in 2007 and you had dreamt of being a diplomat, but that wasn't possible given the climate in South Africa post-apartheid. So you end up going into corporate travel instead. So can you tell us more about your life in South Africa up to the point that you immigrated to the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share that. Um, so I always, whenever I am uh, speaking uh, publicly, I always kind of break the ice by saying, well, you can hear I have a funny accent. Um, and and it's it's interesting that I've been able to maintain the accent. Um, I've always been passionate about traveling and uh, speak a couple languages as well, uh, just through my travels. And um, yeah, but South Africa, growing up in South Africa, I think is, is, a, is a really interesting story. Um, Grew up in in the eighties and nineties, so it was the height of apartheid. Um, never grew up with any individual of color in my class, um, in a playground. Um, I mean, the stories I can tell, and it's it's actually I'm in the process of writing my book because I think it's, you know, stories stories. Um, let's be honest, uh, stories are what what kind of weave the thread of our ancestry and and our learnings and our evolution as as a society um but it, yeah just um wanting to document all of this because i think it's really powerful for where america is right now um and the story about south africa is is this that i remember as a child very very vividly um feeling ashamed as 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 I would say, walk in, I'll give you an exact example. I would be on the beach and there would be benches that would say whites only or a bathroom that said whites only, um, which meant that there was this exclusivity, right? This exclusion, this um, this air of like, I'm better than you. And, and then another example that I remember very, very vividly was walking into 
into uh, just like a convenience store and me being on one side and there was a door directly across from from us and walking in and saying to my dad, dad, why do those people have to wait in a line outside outside on the other side? Why can't they come inside? And my dad said to me, they have to wait until all the white people get out of the store and then they can come in. Wow. You know, so as a child um, growing up like that was very, very confusing and on the flip side, my mom was actually raised in Swaziland, a really small um, uh, a kingdom, African kingdom. It's, it's kind of within South Africa, but it's, in the, it's an independent kingdom with, a, with a, a, a tribal leader. And so she was used to going to school with, with people of color. And she, our home was very different. The way we were raised was very different to the environment I lived in. So another thing, you know, just in our home, um, my Gladys and my Joseph, they, and I call them that they were part of our family. They weren't, they, um, they were our housekeeper and our gardener and they lived with us. Um, and, you know, we provided for them and they ate around the dinner table with us and they were one of us. And so that's really where my desire grew from a very young age, knowing that, that there was this injustice and I couldn't understand it. And I wanted to make a difference and I didn't know how, and um, and it was only once I, I was actually an exchange student, traveled to to Brazil, lived there for a year when I was 17 years old. And that was a catalyst that kind of broke me open and made me realize I want to be a diplomat. That's the one that's the one job, if I could, you know, that can really make a difference in people's lives. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how I landed up with the whole diplomacy thing. But, but really, I think the big lesson here is that I ultimately was rejected from following that dream and that passion of bringing communities together and breaking down cultural barriers. I wanted to be a diplomat and I studied, put myself through university, political science, linguistics, applied for the civil servants degree, and I was rejected because it was necessary at the time in South Africa, post-apartheid, it was necessary that affirmative action was in place. And so imagine that, like your dream shattered and it was all just about, I wanted to help people and now I couldn't. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think there's a lot of lessons around that for us. Um, even now living in the States and I'm now a U.S. citizen, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a tenuous and I don't want to get into politics. My goodness, that's not what this is about. Oh, yeah. No, we have we try to avoid that on this show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I and I'm not by any means going down that road, but just that that I love the whole the whole movement at the moment about about acceptance and about mm-hmm. inclusion. And, and that that's really what I want to get across is that is that we each have an opportunity to be, do, and have anything we want in this world. And just because something really bad has happened to us in our lives, no matter what it is, um, don't limit yourself because of some blueprint that you have in your past. Don't hold yourself back because you feel like there's been something unfair that's happened to you. Every single human being has the exact same opportunity to be the best version of themselves and to do incredible, amazing, beautiful things. And so that's really where I, I want to kind of tie that up and and is the message in that story. Uh, yeah, I, I um, it's hard for me to even kind of put into words like the, all the feelings of listening to that. Like the fact that you just intuitively knew even as a child that this was not right, even though it was the norm. I mean, maybe, do you think, 
this might be kind of hard to answer. Do you think had it not been for your mom growing up in a very different environment, like if she had, you know, just grown up in South Africa too, do you think that you would have had like the same feelings about the injustice? Um, like, so I guess, do you think it was innate or do you think it was a product of your environment? I guess that's hard to say, right? It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough one to answer because it's the nature nurture debate, isn't it? Is, Is it because I was a product of my environment or was it something I was, I was just naturally born with? Yeah. Um, I mean, my my gut feel is that it was a bit of both because I'm a massive, massive believer. And actually, one of the things I I specifically coach on, even at an executive level, is I spend so much time working on an individual's own limiting beliefs and the blueprint they have of their own life. Right. Um, And and environment is very closely linked to that. So, um, you know, there's a there's an experiment that I, I do in one of my and one of my workshops um, is, you know, I take a very porous flower, which is like a, I don't know, like a daisy or something that has a, a very porous stem. And I put it into colored water. And, you know, over a six hour period, you literally watch this plant um, pulling up all this blue dye or whatever colored dye you want to put in the water. And it starts affecting the leaves, Right. Um, and it's the same thing for us as human beings. Our environment has a direct effect on how we um, uh, present ourselves and and are externally. It's just how it is. So being very mindful of that, that environment is is of utmost importance. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's a quote I love and it says, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about immigrating then in 2007 and what it was like arriving in the U.S. and how you got started as a major player in building up Dream Racing, which for those of you who aren't familiar, it's a multi-million dollar tourist attraction in Las Vegas. So yeah. tell us tell us all about that. Well, you know, it was a bit of a journey. My, uh, my husband at the time, also South African, um, had been in the family business. He was the quintessential corporate dropout. So, um, you know, third generation um, was really trying to do and be the good Italian boy um, and not disappoint his family. But he he taught me so much and I owe so much to him for the lessons that I gained in, in that time, that beautiful time that we did have together because he was absolutely adamant that he wanted to live his best life. And in order to do so, he needed to break free from the shackles of corporate. Um, and so when we were, arrived in America, he was actually still working for his family business. Um, and we were based in Princeton, New Jersey. So a really beautiful place, but he was traveling a lot and he'd have to wear this tie to work. And he would often describe it as literally being this noose around his neck. It was the proverbial noose. Uh, he ha- he just had no freedom for expression and, and, um, such a vibrant individual. I mean, he's, he's just like a, you know, people are, are drawn to him like a moth to a flame and he has so much to give and so much joy and love for life that, he came home one day and just said, I, I, I can't do this. I have to be true to myself. And if I get rejected by the family, then, and we just kind of stood together and we knew, you know, that's what he was meant to do, but he didn't know what he wanted to do next. And um, so the journey to dream racing is again, a very interesting one. It kind of circles back to how we started this conversation about being open 
to everything, but attached to nothing. It's actually a Wayne Dyer saying that I absolutely adore. So being open to the, to the opportunity of he stepped into his own power and he made that claim to the universe that this is what he wanted for his life. And he was going to leave behind what he didn't want. And he didn't know how it would pan out. But by standing in his own power, he opened himself up to possibility. And so he did his um, helicopter pilot's license and we opened a small business. And so that's really where I got my first taste for working in the U.S., especially opening up uh, an LLC and understanding the laws. And at the time, we weren't U.S. citizens. So, oh, my goodness, jumping through the hoops was was it was insane. Um, of course, I, I had um, I had a, a one year old and I was pregnant with my second and we were building a house and we were opening this business. So, you know, don't do things in half measures, right? Let's just go <laughs> foot flat, flat on the gas and just, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And then, and then the one day his cousins came to visit us from, from Italy and um, his cousin had been involved a very, very high level raced for Ferrari was actually a rate, uh, an instructor for Ferrari um, for the Ferrari driving school. His best friend Enrico uh, was actually Formula Three, a world champ. Uh, he'd won both Macau and um, Monaco uh, Formula Three, which is like the it's like the the level before Formula One. Uh, Enrico had raced Formula One, so he came with these huge credentials. And so they we were just kind of in the lounge one day, and they said, "Hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this business. We were looking at Rio, we were looking a bit at Dubai, and then we were like, yeah, maybe Vegas." And so that's where it came into into um, existence. Really, was just this, you know, this Nick coming into his power and 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 knowing what he what he wanted for his life, and then boom. Um, and it, and it was interesting because we we pushed against moving to Vegas because of having two little daughters. We try to set up uh, somewhere closer, maybe in Boulder, Colorado. We tried all these different things, but it just wasn't meant to be. Came out to Vegas um, in uh, in in 2010, so it was like a ghost town, obviously post um, crash, and there were just skeletons of buildings everywhere and abandoned um, shopping malls, like strip malls. And here, the four of us are every single one of us foreigners. I was the only one with a work visa. So I'm the one now setting up all these businesses. I don't want to go out to the speedway. They negotiate this incredible deal. And um, and they're like, right, Jody, we need um, you to help us set up these businesses. So literally from like just my experience from the one little helicopter business, now we go. And, and it was everything from buying the very first vehicle. Um, we bought the first vehicle in Spain, the second one from Turkey, and then there were all these other things that we had to jump through, like, oh, now the cars have arrived in L.A., but you have used goods. Did you pay used goods tax? And we're like, what? What is that? <laughs> so, you know, it was a lot of fail forward. Um, we made a ton of mistakes, but I really don't uh, anymore <laughs> see mistakes as a negative at all. It's just part of, again, this beautiful experience of growth. And um, the first year, 
uh, well, let me let me go back. The first our launch date, we had twelve red Ferrari F430 GTs. And they were all lined up, and we were like, right, the people are going to come. We stood and we waited. An hour went by, and three, and then six. We're like, the people aren't coming. What did what did we do? <laughs> so you know, it, it's if any, if I mean, I could just go on and on about the stories and the and the lessons learned, but. I would tell you one thing um, in starting a business, if your ego is not in check, you're going to come falling flat on your face and you're not going to know how to get back up. So when we met, you were flying back from Maui to the mainland and you were like we've talked about in first class with your two beautiful daughters, which was not typical for you all. And I usually don't get this personal in interviews, but I was so moved by your story when you shared it with me on the plane. So if you're comfortable going there, I would love if you could share here how you went from divorce, starting over financially to building up again and having the financial ability to take your daughters on this incredible trip to Maui in first class. Oh, yeah, I would love to share it. I think, you know, we go through experiences in life. for a very specific reason. And I've always felt when I've come out on the other end, it's because there's somebody else who needs to hear it. So yeah, I don't mind being vulnerable for a moment. Um, Brene Brown always has helped so many of us to (laughs) kind of crack that code, right? So just uh, from the personal standpoint, obviously everything sounds like a dream, right? We set up this dream racing. We have these two daughters. Um, Nick was living his dream. He was he was flying. We had the perfect life. Um, but but there was something inside of me that I just wasn't. I just I wasn't following my purpose. So you know, just coming back to that whole thing of being of service to others and always knowing from a very young age what I needed to do. Um, and, and I kind of lost that, you know, I think we could, there's a lot of noise that happens in our lives. We get, we get consumed by, by stuff and we might, we might lose our way. And I, um, just in very, you know, as very simple description, I, I landed up having a nervous breakdown. I just know now that it's because I, I'm such a giver and a people pleaser, um, I was spinning my wheels just trying to make everybody else around me happy and and um, content. And I'd forgotten that I actually needed to put my own oxygen mask on first. And I literally ran out of oxygen. Um, so, yeah, it really, it, it obviously things that happened before that had um, kind of created a demise in, the, in, in our relationship. Um, but that really was the pinnacle for me. And, and we, tr- we tried, we tried to move past it. It just, it just wasn't possible. And, and um, you know, I, I parted ways with a lot, <laughs> sadly, uh, and, and found myself no dream racing, uh, living in a very tiny apartment, um, having moved from a very, very, very comfortable life. And, and I just knew that something had to give. And I started really examining, um, my life. And I will never forget one day, uh, the children were with, uh, with their dad and I was at home and I didn't have a job and I didn't have a purpose. And I remember honestly, you know, that darkest moment in my life where I, I felt like I was in that proverbial pit. And, um, I just kept on thinking to myself, I just wish there was a rope or like something I could hang, like just try to at least pull myself out. And it just, it just was so dark. And 
but but there was this tiny, tiny, tiny little light. Um, and I was scrolling through uh, social media and I came across this little ad and something just spoke to me and it was about personal development. And uh, it was actually a Tony Robbins, I, I think it was a Tony Robbins ad or something like that. And I, and I listened to a, a pod, you know, a podcast and then I watched the YouTube video and I suddenly started realizing that in all the, the kind of destruction in my life and things that had gone wrong, that I was the common denominator and that I, I had to stop being this victim and always blaming everybody else around me and actually take ownership for my own freaking life. Um, in, and I, and, and there was that little, that little light that I saw was that sudden realization that if it was meant to be, it was up to me. And the only person who could turn this thing around was me. And I, I, you know, I'm the same, like I'm goosebumps everywhere right now. Mm, me too. Because so many of us live below the point of, um, of, of existence where, where I, I would refer to it as below the point is, is blame and shame and, um, uh, and, and just like lack of, of accountability. Right. And you just live in this bottom feeding area where it's all, um, it's all in victim mode. Right. And, and the only way you can get to the victim mode, which is living a full life, is if you take ownership, accountability, and responsibility. It is the only way that you can ever achieve any kind of joy and happiness in your life, Never, let alone success. We're not even talking high-level success yet, right? And um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that um, I suddenly had this realization and I realized um, I needed to start making a change and that it had to begin with me. And then I got hold of Jim Rohn um, and Jim Rohn had this little saying, work harder on yourself than you do on your, on your job. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And then I found Napoleon Hill and Napoleon Hill was all about, I mean, he, Napoleon Hill wrote his book, uh, Think and Grow Rich in, in 1920, you know, this stuff has been around all this time. But like, wh- why hadn't I seen it? You have to be open in order to receive the lesson. There's another beautiful saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You have to be open to these things. So to answer your question in a very long and broad way, um, embellished way, should I say. Uh, yeah, so I, I discovered personal development and I just... I, I jumped in with both feet and it was just such a beautiful thing. And I just, I, I, I was consuming it all day, every day. And I could, I could literally feel the light coming back into my life. And, and there were so many uh, questions I was able to start answering, um, but it still wasn't enough. Um, and, and yeah, so that eventually took me down a journey. I, I found a network marketing business that was specifically in personal development I knew I didn't want to go back to the corporate world because my children. I knew I wanted to be available and accessible to them, especially only having them one week every other week. And so I started an online business and never been involved in network marketing before. Tony Robbins was actually a, a big supporter of, of network marketing. And, and he'd said, you know, this is the way of the future. If you want to delve into 
learning how to be a solopreneur, getting your feet wet, but having a community and support, this is the way to go. And this community was absolutely exactly what I needed. Um, and then I landed up putting myself through um, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, personal development certifications. I did Bob Proctor courses, did, you know, anything I could consume out there. And yeah, I landed up being an award-winning member of that community. I actually worked my way up uh, to making a 52000 US dollars profit in a single month in a network marketing business. And that was just after, um, it was just after two years of being, being there. But, you know, a lot of lessons uh, that I learned there and the biggest thing was consistency. And I would say that in any, any, any business, um, it was a big, big uh, takeaway. Um, but what's so beautiful now is that even in my executive coaching or, or, or my business coaching, I always go back to the personal development. Always, always, always. So, you know, there's uh, there's a sad story, but uh, um, it's not it's not tragic, and thank goodness we're all okay. Um, and I and I'm so humbled by other people's stories of you know near death and all the, and so I just stand in a place of gratitude, um, humility, um, and and just really in awe of of second chances. <laughs> It's such a beautiful story. I'm just enjoying like being on the receiving end of even listening to that. I'm sure all the listeners are feeling that way too. It's, I mean, there's a few things you touched on that I just want to underline. So the first is actually, I think it might've been the first Mindset Monday episode was be a victor, not a victim. And once you accept responsibility for everything in your life, the good and the bad, which it can be hard if the scale is more tipped towards the bad, right? It's like everything changes. Um, the other thing I wanted to underline is on the network marketing piece. So it's worth noting 82% of women in the US that earn six figures or more a year do so through network marketing. So there's a lot of stigma. Some of it I think is deserved depending on the company and the opportunity, but it can really be an incredible vehicle if you're willing to do that work, you know, the internal work, especially, um, but the external too. So what, you know, if you look back on, your time in that company, you said consistency was key, the personal development, anything else that you think really enabled you to be successful? Because let me just put like a quick like parentheses here. Why I'm asking you this, it kind of grinds my gears that we all have these like income disclosure statements and it's like only 1% or whoever, you know, however much you're going to hit this level. I feel like it would be a lot more if people could get out of their own way. Like it's personal development with a comp plan attached. So yeah. Aside from those things, I'll get off my soapbox and give the floor back to you. <laughs> what enabled you to be so successful? I um, would really say, obviously, the consistency. But um, for me, it was about my my magic moments in the morning. <laughs> there were six very specific <laughs> things that I did every, every, every single day. Um, and a big chunk of them were, were in the morning. So, um, you know, each day is a new opportunity and it's a blank slate. Um, and I got this concept from, uh, Jeff Bezos where in a podcast, he said that every day in Amazon was day one. Um, because if you went into each and every day with that attitude, you go in with a certain excitement, with a certain apprehension, 
um, with, uh, you know, there's a lot of emotions in that. And so it keeps you, it keeps you accountable, um, because you're not just going through the motions. You, you mindful, you staying present. A lot of info out there at the moment is all about, you know, setting yourself up for success starts with a good morning. Um, but it's very specific things that one needs to do. And this is, and this is exactly what I do. And I'm, I'm happy to share it. Um, so I always set my alarm, um, at least five minutes. It's like five minutes before I'm supposed to get up. These days I actually set it 15 minutes before because I found I needed longer. But during my network marketing days, and I just visualize. It's all about visualization because, um, and I, I come from a place of a little bit of knowledge. My mom is a, a clinical psychologist and I was, uh, when I was putting myself through high school, my last year, she was putting herself through, um, through med school. And, uh, so she would teach me about the brain. <laughs> um, and, and one thing that's fascinating about the brain is we cannot differentiate between what is real and what is imagination. If you get really, really good at, um, being the kid, and uh, making sure that you uh, go back to that imaginary state, right? So what I would do, and I'm just going to grab it quickly for you. Um, what I would do is I actually had a picture of a, of a girlfriend who'd won this exact award. And um, it, it's the 50K club. So it's over, over 50,000 US dollars profit in a single month. And I took the photograph of her and I'd cut out her face and I put my face on it. So I had it on my vision board, but my visualization in the morning was me holding this. And now I'm holding it right and I can feel it's really, really heavy. But part of my visualization is what am I wearing? What are, what is the crowd saying? Um, and here's the, here's the kicker. You have to bring emotion into it. There has to be emotion. You have to feel the goosebumps. So while you're lying there doing this visualization, you feeling the experience. It's not one dimensional. It is 3D and all encompassing. And it's just five minutes, right? You can't do five, wake up five minutes earlier and lie in bed and pretend play, you know, like how hard is that? <laughs> but doing that every day, oh my goodness, because then what happens is our reticular activating system in our brain starts looking for the path to achieve that. It opens us up to start saying, oh, that's already happened, but how did it happen? Oh, you were doing this, you were doing that. And subconsciously, we are setting ourselves up for what we want out of our lives, not what we don't want. So how many of us wake up in the morning with dread and go, you know, what are you doing in that in, the, in those moments in the morning? You're focusing on all the things you don't want in your life. So guess what your, your reticular activating system is going to be doing the entire day? <laughs> I mean, these are, these are high-level machines that we are operating. And we have to be very, very mindful of the stuff we're putting in there. So when I get into bed at night, and I used to write them down, and now I just, I'm, I'm so programmed to do it, I'm able to just, and this is the way you say it, I'm so happy and grateful for, and you state it, right? And then, you know, throughout the day, I'm always doing words of affirmation. So, and I always started with, I'm so happy and grateful that money flows to me freely from multiple sources of income. The amount of times I say that to myself is, is humorous. That's so good. <laughs> and also what I like about that is that it's not an intimidating morning routine. I was on the miracle morning train for a little while and it was amazing 
But, you know, when you have a, a child with varying sleep schedule oh. and behavior, like you just you're setting yourself up to fail if it's this, you know, hour long thing that you have to do every day to feel like, you know, you checked that box. So I, I love that the simplicity of it. Yeah. And you don't have to get out of bed to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a bonus point. Yeah. And, and especially because so many of us, I think, especially our, our kind of audience who follow us, Lysia, they, you know, mums, mums with lives, maybe, you know, who are trying to juggle this um, a corporate career or, you know, a corporate dropout career, starting a new business. And we have kids and responsibilities. And, and whilst I love and appreciate the very complex morning routines, it just didn't work for me. So, so this was something that I could, um, I could chunk up and know that it was something that, that that was super effective for me. So much goodness in there. So Mm -hmm. shifting gears to present day. So, um, I said that I would come back to this. So here we go. So after you said, I have this confession to make, I knew we were meant to sit together and then I needed to talk to you. I like take off my noise canceling headphones finally. And I'm like, okay, what do you have to tell me? (laughs) And you said, I'm a top leader in a network marketing company. I love the company. I love you know what we're serving people with. I love my team. But I know I'm meant to have a broader impact, which is exactly how I had been feeling at the time. And you said, since we've been in flight, I've been writing the business plan for a coaching and personal development company. And that was the sign to me because a week before I had created Rising Tide Coaching and Development LLC as an afterthought, by the way. So tell us now about the coaching and personal development company, what you're doing now, how people can work with you and all of that goodness. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and I remember now you just sparked a memory. Um, one of the, the reasons why I eventually was like, brave enough to say, because I never normally talk to my seatmates. I'm like, never, <laughs> you know, never. Oh, like, leave me alone. No one know. <laughs> yeah. And I, you were, you were writing so ferociously and, and I could tell that you were consuming something and you were just, you were just, there was so much that you were growing and, and like working on. And there was one word that popped up and it was something like on purpose, you know, it was like this a purposeful life or something like that. And I was like, oh, it's my sign. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I landed up doing is I, I, after, after the success in the network marketing business, I was actually tapped on the shoulder by uh, the um, founder and now president of Action Coach, um, and he he basically invented the the industry of coaching 28 years ago in Australia. Um, it never was a thing; it was always consulting. And the big difference with uh, consulting versus coaching: consulting is uh, for a very specific uh, issue in a business. It's short term, uh, normally contractual for say three months, 90 days, fix it in and out, right? Um, for coaching and, and what really drew me to this particular industry is that it's all about long-term relationships and the impact you can make uh, in a partnership of almost being that unreasonable friend um, where where it's, um, you know, you go on a journey with an individual and, and it's not just about coming and fix it. It's the individual who's being empowered. They're the one doing the work. So just like, you know, an, an athlete in, in the pool, they're the one doing the laps, but the coach is the one pushing them beyond their own limiting beliefs, right? The, the coach is the one seeing their blind spot is um, really giving them the, the, the blueprint on how they're going to get there. 
So, so that's what really appealed to me about the coaching side of things. So the opportunity came up for me to actually purchase a franchise within Action Coach. Um, and there was a lot of res- resistance and I was, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to go and do this on my own. And, but, but at the end of the day, what I loved about Action Coach is that they, they global based in um, uh, 68 countries around the world, uh, you know, just been serving businesses for, for 28 years. And so I really chose to hang my hat with them uh, because of the systems and processes that have been proven to work. Um, now, obviously, as a coach and um in my own capacity, uh, my my business is branded Jody Sacco, powered by Action Coach, because at the end of the day, I know clients are going to work with me because of who I am and what I can bring to to the experience. Uh, and and I really felt like it was the culmination of all these experiences I've had in my life that was now here's the opportunity to tie it all into a beautiful bow and be of direct impact to the community here in Las Vegas. And and the piece, the missing piece for me was that, um, a, again, no disrespect to a network marketing business and you can be massively, massively successful in it as I was. But at the end of the day, I wanted something that was an asset that I could physically sell off in seven or 10 years time. And, and that was, that was a massive, um, kind of a deal breaker for me, uh, because I could see the longevity in this and I can see the saleability in it. So of course I didn't just buy one. I bought four. Um, <laughs> and, uh, home, right? <laughs> right. They go go home. And, and really the whole premise behind it and, and my, my belief and what drives me, my vision is that imagine if, we could empower local businesses here in Las Vegas and the greater area. I mean, I work with, I work with clients all over the U.S. This is just obviously uh, where my focal point is right now. But if we could empower business owners to get back to why they started their business, so finding their why, giving them the tools so that they can work on their business, not be stuck on the hamster cage in their business, Imagine the impact that could have on family lives, on the rate of divorce, on parents being involved in kids' lives and lowering childhood suicide rates because their parents have more of a relationship with their kid because they're actually home. Imagine the impact of developing a business owner here in Las Vegas that to the point where they 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 don't have to work five days a week and the business is working. Um, it's a profitable enterprise that's working without them. Now they have all this extra cash. Imagine the impact of being able to pour that back into this community, improve the education, which is some of the worst in the country, help, help these poor individuals who come to our city lose all their money on gambling and who are left here homeless on the streets, just imagine the impact we could have on this community. And, and so that's really why that decision and, and, you know, meeting you on the plane and knowing that I was, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even, you know, click the, the switch yet to do this. It was, it was all part of a perfect plan, but that's where I am right now. I launched the business in August. We opened our doors officially on the 1st of September. So third month of operation. Um, yeah. And it's just been, it's, it's been just 
incredible. And I and I know for for a fact that everything has brought me back to to be here and brought me back to that 17 year old self where I knew I was supposed to be of impact to to a community. Ah, that's so beautiful. And it never ceases to amaze me all the different synergies that you and I have as well. Um, actually, just yesterday, I rewrote my why. And it's very long and very deep. And you know, they say that the, the why needs to make you cry. I truly believe that. Like underlining what you just said, like your why is so much bigger than you. So much bigger. So to any of you listening that have not done the exercise of like why you're doing the thing, like I challenge you to get as deep as Jody just got. That was amazing. Okay. So speaking of synergies, your new brand has a lioness in the logo. Did I tell you about the tattoo I got about a month ago? No, stop. I got a lioness on my arm. No. I didn't tell you this? No, stop. Here, I'm going to show you right now. No, are you kidding me? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Yep. When I saw it, I was like, that's freaking crazy. I have chills again all over my body. So talk talk to me. (laughs) Okay. So talk to me about why you picked a lioness. I think I know, but share with our listeners. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, why did you pick a lioness, right? Uh, you know, in um, in the spiritual world, the the, white, the lioness is a very, very powerful symbol. Um, but but for me, it was it was it was a little more simple than than spiritual. Uh, obviously, being growing up, you know, growing up in South Africa, I really wanted something that was part of my brand that reminded me of my roots, reminded me of where I've come from, and um, and who I am. Because so often we can forget how powerful we really are. And, um, you know, especially as, as women, uh, you know, we might be there in the background. We might take a little bit longer to do things. Um, we might overthink. Um, but at the end of the day, when we step into our power, we are the ones that actually bring that animal down, that beast down. Um, you know, there was actually in a mu- museum here in, in Las Vegas, uh, there was a, um, a networking event and I couldn't believe it. There was a, um, a whole Africa section and there was a big water buffalo and um, in action was a lion and a lioness taking down this water buffalo. And, and so the male lioness with all his beautiful mane and his glory, you know, he comes in from behind and takes the animal down, boom. But the lioness comes from the front and gets the jugular. And that's what brings oh, the animal down. Oh, that's, Powerful, that's right? pretty badass. Yeah. Badass, right? <laughs> and and so so what I say to my clients is um it's it's kind of my tagline is that I I am fierce in my pursuit of results and success for my clients, mm. and I will stop at nothing because you know I've had many opportunity in my life to to be to be shut down to be to stop right I could have just given up in South Africa right I could have just given up on on knowing that I had a bigger dream and. And, and it's, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just that whole thing of like, just be fierce, be relentless, um, know what your purpose is, know what you meant to do and and just go after it from my friends and family know me as being this, you know, very kind and loving and generous individual, but they also know that I have a, I have, I have very, you know, strong opinions and, and I put my foot down when I need to, um, very patient and it's always stood me in good stead, but I'm patient because I know, I know when the right time to strike is. 
Mm, oh my gosh, that's so, so good. I love all that. And, you know, you have all these like more gentle, soft qualities, but then you also have the ones that are more of like the action, the fierce, and they're in balance, which I think is so key. Like everyone should yeah. try to be in balance. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, final question before we wrap. If you could give one piece of advice to the woman who's listening that is struggling, starting over, feels like she's in this deep, dark valley or a pit, what would it be? Find some personal development. So just go onto YouTube and and say um, something like, what is my purpose? If you could just start to understand, first of all, your the chances that you were actually put on earth right? What are the stats? I mean, you better with stats. It's one in 400 trillion. Yeah. One in 400 trillion. So if you can just start with that and say, wow, wow, I'm here. And, and when I talk about personal development, let me get more specific. Start, if you're really in that very, very bad hole, the simple thing to start even finding a light, if it's really, really bad, is find one thing that you're grateful for. And if you can't find anything, say, I'm grateful that I'm the survivor of the one in trillion because gratitude will become a snowball. And, and it's just like a little switch to change you focusing on the negative stuff that's really burying, burying you and to start just start seeing the gratitude and the, and the light again. And then you can, you can dive deeper into the other stuff. So beautiful. I knew this would be a special interview, but this has exceeded my expectations. So thank you for that, <laughs> for just sharing all of this with us. This was amazing. I'm so glad that everyone listening to the show got to meet you and learn from you the way that I did on the plane. I even learned some new things today too, but this was just amazing. So thank you for sharing your time with me. Hey there, this is Jody Sacco. And I wanted to share with you guys a complimentary event that we'll be hosting next week. It is in Las Vegas and it will be an in-person event. So come out and visit us and have a bit of a uh, vacation at the same time. It'll be on the 27th. So that's next week, Thursday. Thursday, January 27th at 3 p.m. It um, includes one and a half hours of education. Uh, there's cocktails available and a networking opportunity at the end. Now, the topic is all around marketing. And I really want to ask a simple question. Do you as a business owner have a watertight marketing strategy that you're confident will bring you the results you're looking for in your business? Now, if you answer no, then you definitely want to attend this event. You can either come out to Vegas, obviously be in person, or just DM me if it's not possible for you to come out. I am able to host something virtually. I would love to help you. I'm super passionate about getting business owners to reach and achieve those goals, if not exceed them, um, would be the ultimate goal. So look forward to seeing you guys there. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If today's episode added value to your life in some way, please subscribe, leave a five-star review and share it with someone who needs this. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and hear how the show has inspired you. So tag me or slide into the DMs. Find me at Corporate Dropout Official or Alessia Citro. That's A-L-E-S-S-I-A-C-I-T-R-O and two underscores. Until next time, remember that you're a badass Stay focused, stay hungry, and dare to drop out.